right, we're going to continue on in Mark 14 this morning. Mark 14, we'll start in verse 22. We're just going to read 22 through 26. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 26. This takes place not long before Jesus will be sent to a mock trial and nailed to a cross. We saw in the passage we looked at last week, uh, we, we kind of focused on Judas. Jesus had mentioned to the 12 apostles that there would be one who would betray him. and They were all distressed, wondering, is it I? Is it I? Am I going to be the one? Uh, but it was Judas. Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus, and it appears that it was for no other reason than greed. And as Jesus is sitting with his apostles here for this Lord's Supper during the time of Passover, this was a significant event. This was a very significant event uh, because there was a shift that was taking place. And this meal, this Passover meal that Jesus and his apostles were eating, there was a shift taking place from this Passover that occurred in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus when God delivered his people from Israel and, and Jesus who was going to be a lamb who would be slain for us so that our sins could be passed over. And so there's great significance in this passage and in this event with Jesus and his apostles and Jesus is helping to shift his apostles' focus and our focus from what was in the past to Jesus Christ and what he has done and what has occurred in his death and his resurrection. He was preparing his apostles for that and as we study this passage today, we too need to have our focus on Jesus Christ. So we'll read through these verses and then we'll pray, then we will jump in. Mark chapter 14, verse 22. As they were eating, he took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them. And so they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my body that establishes the covenant. It is shed for many. I assure you I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in a new way in the kingdom of God. After singing psalms, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your good words. And God, I pray that we would put our focus on Jesus Christ today, that we would recognize that he is the perfect lamb who was slain, who gave his life willingly and freely, God, for the forgiveness of our sins. And God, I pray that if there is one today that is not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, they have not put their faith in Jesus, they have not trusted him, God, they have not repented of their sins and been forgiven because of Jesus and through what he's done. And God, I pray that today in this moment that Jesus Christ would be glorified, that you would hide me behind the cross, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me to each one of us today, that our hearts would listen to you. God, we may have come in here with distractions. There are many things that are on our minds and many distractions the devil may attempt to 
cause us to wander off in our thoughts today. But God, I pray that you protect us, that you protect our minds and our hearts today, that in this place your Holy Spirit will be among us today. Let us reflect on our lives and look at ourselves, dear Lord, and see things that don't need to be there. Let us be encouraged by you, dear Lord, to know that you've got grace and mercy and you give it to us and you love us. And let us find peace in that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, in the book of Exodus, we see this, this, this amazing story that has unfolded. Now, some of you were here a few months ago, a couple months ago, and we went through the life of Joseph in the Old Testament and his brothers had sold him into slavery. And long story short, he went through lots of ups and downs, but ended up being second in command in all of the land of Egypt. And Joseph's family all came and his father came and, and all of the, 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 the nation of Israel, uh, which was small at that time, God's chosen people, made their way to Egypt. And, and as they were in Egypt, God began to bless his people greatly and they began to they began to multiply greatly and the Egyptians saw this and they said look we got to get this under control we got to slow these th these people from the land of Canaan these Israelite people we have got to slow them down and so the Egyptians ended up enslaving the people of Israel and that's how Israel made it into Egypt and how they were enslaved and they were enslaved for quite some time and God prepared a man by the name of Moses. You may have heard of him. And he got Moses ready and he sent Moses and Moses' brother Aaron into the land of Egypt to talk to Pharaoh. And he said, look, Pharaoh, you need to let God's people go. And Pharaoh refused to do it. And God sent several plagues along the way. And Pharaoh would not change his heart. His heart was hardened. He wouldn't listen to God. And he wouldn't let God's people go. And finally God got serious not that he hadn't been serious he had been pretty serious and and he sent this plague onto the land where the firstborn of of everybody in the land was their life was going to be taken but for his people Israel God gave them a command he gave them some instructions of very specific things that they were supposed to do they were supposed to prepare unleavened bread and they were supposed to prepare an animal for sacrifice and they were to take this animal and they were supposed to cook it a particular way and they were supposed to eat it before a certain time and destroy what was left and they were to take the blood of this sacrifice animal and they were to they were to wipe that blood over their doorpost they were to wipe it down the sides of their doorpost and wipe it over the top of their doorpost and God said and when I pass through I'll pass by the houses that are covered by the blood. Every house that are, is covered by the blood, I will pass over and they will be safe and protected. And so God's people did as God commanded. I would say most of them, if not all of them, did what God commanded. And they, they ate the meal and they prepared the unleavened bread and they wiped the blood over the doorpost on the sides and on the top and God came through and the firstborn in the land of Egypt was killed and there was great great wailing and, and agony and pain in the land and finally Pharaoh said just get out of here just go and so God delivered his people Israel out of Egypt 
And after some time, they made their way into the promised land. But when God delivered them out of Egypt, he said, Now I want you guys to remember this every year. I want you to hold a Passover feast, and I want you to remember what I did. I want you to pass this on to your children. I want you to tell your children about my greatness, about my goodness, about how I delivered you by my power and what went on in the Passover. And so when Jesus came on to the scene, being a good Jew, like many of the other Jews of the day, he celebrated the Passover because that was the command of God. And so there were many people in Jerusalem at this time, and they were celebrating this time of Passover that would come once a year. And here is Jesus with his apostles, with the twelve who were closest to them, and he had longed for this meal to sit with them and to eat this last Passover meal that he would eat before his death with his apostles. And so here are Jesus and the apostles, and they are sitting there, and Jesus is handing out this meal to his apostles, and he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he gave it to him, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he did the same thing with the cup and passed it around as they drank. And he said, this is my blood that establishes the covenant. Or some of your translations may say the new covenant. It establishes the new covenant and it is his blood that is shed for many. Now here we are seeing a shift that is taking place between what had happened in the past and what was about to happen through Jesus Christ. What had happened in the past is that God's people were spared because they were covered by the blood of the sacrifice. Because they were obedient to God and listened to God, God passed them over. Now, there's a connection here between that and between what Jesus was going to do. Because just as the animal was sacrificed at the time of the Passover, it would not be long after this meal that Jesus was going to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. And just as the blood of the sacrifice was covered the entry, the doorpost of the house, so that God would pass over them, so the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for us on the cross. So that if we put our faith in Him, we are covered by the blood of the precious, perfect Lamb of Jesus Christ. So that our sins will be passed over. Now in the Old Testament, the Passover event and the eating of the unleavened bread and the drinking of the wine, that was to symbolize something else. But Jesus says, that was an old covenant. That was an old way. But there's a perfect way that has come. There's a new covenant. And I'm about to establish this new covenant with you. And that's what we see a lot in the book of Hebrews. The old covenant has passed away. But the new covenant has come. The new covenant of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, This is my body and this is my blood. These these things that they ate and drank once symbolized something else. They represented something in the past. But Jesus says, now 
these things are going to represent me. These things are going to be fulfilled in me in a perfect and an ultimate fulfillment. This is my body. This is my blood. Now, this is kind of some, some strange language, right? I mean, this is a, this is a weird thing that Jesus would, would use this type of language. And, and, and the Lord's Supper and the partaking of the Lord's Supper and what it means is, is been hotly debated for a long time. Back in the 1500s, there was an old boy by the name of Martin Luther. He was a German guy. And at the time, the Roman Catholic Church was really the only church, so to speak. They pretty much uh, had been the only show in town for about a thousand years. And they practiced some things and preached some things and taught some things that Martin Luther began to really question and he really began to speak out about. And long story short, Martin Luther stood up to the Catholic Church and said, I think you're teaching things that are incorrect. And the Catholic Church didn't like that. And uh, many who were alive in Luther's time supported Luther and agreed with what Luther said. And uh, there ended up being a, a great split that took place of people standing up against the Catholic Church and uh, many of the churches and denominations that we see today, uh, we can thank people like Martin Luther and those of that day that stood up to the Catholic Church of the day. But one of the issues uh, that was hotly debated of that day was the idea of the Passover. Now, Jesus uses this language to that this is his body and that this is his blood. And, and what are we to make of this type of language? Well, the Catholic Church believed in a teaching called transubstantiation. That's a big word. It's not going to be on the test, so don't worry. But, but that, that view means that, uh, that they believe that when we, when we drink the wine or the juice, whatever it is we drink, that the moment it touches our lips, it literally turns into the blood of Jesus Christ. Or the moment we eat the bread, that when we eat it as, as we are eating it and ingesting it, it literally turns into the flesh of Jesus Christ. And that's one of the main views. Another main view is that, well, it, is, it, is, it means that when we take the Lord's Supper, it means that Jesus is with us, that Jesus is, is here with us in our presence. And that's part of taking the Lord's Supper. And the third view is that it's simply a symbolic gesture, that it symbolizes and reminds us of what Jesus has done in the past. And any time we take it, uh, we remember what these things symbolize. Now, there's lots of things that we see Jesus speak of uh, that we have to realize the, the symbolism that he uses. Now, if you want to turn to John, we'll look at a few passages, and they're all relatively close together. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 2, in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. When we see this language that Jesus is using, it is important that we understand the symbolism that Jesus is speaking of, that what we need to look at and recognize when we see this type of language. Jesus often said things that were misunderstood. Jesus would say something, and it would sound kind of weird and crazy, and the people would miss the power of it because they misunderstood 
what he was saying. And there, we see lots of good examples of this in John chapter 2, 3, 4, and 6 that we will look at. John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Jesus answered, Destroy this sanctuary, and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, This sanctuary took 46 years to build, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the sanctuary of his body. Now, here's a good example of something that Jesus said that was misunderstood. Destroy this sanctuary, and in three days I will raise it up. Well, of course, he was talking about his body. John tells us that. He was speaking about that he would, be, he, would, he would die and that he would be resurrected three days later. But the people, when they heard this language that he used, they thought that he was speaking about the temple. And their response was, wait a minute, it took 46 years to build this thing, and you are gonna, you're going to tear it down and restore it in, in three days? But they misunderstood what Jesus was saying and the power of what Jesus was saying. The power of what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to conquer death and the grave. Now, we see another good example in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Again, Jesus is using language of something that literally occurs in life, being born, but he's using that language in a spiritual sense that Nicodemus misunderstands. Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus thought, wait a minute, you can't go back into your mother's womb and be born again. But he missed what Jesus was saying. He was missing the spiritual application that was coming from the physical thing that Jesus was describing. Jesus wasn't saying anything about going into the womb. He was saying that we need to be born again through him. That we need to be a new creation through him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Jesus says later on in that chapter. And so Jesus uses language sometimes and uses physical things to point to something more powerful in a spiritual sense. And oftentimes when Jesus did that, people missed the power of what he was saying. We see another example in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 14. There was a woman at a well that Jesus was talking to. And Jesus is talking about giving water. And he says in verse 14, But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about water. They're at a well. They're at a physical place where you physically get water. And Jesus says, hey, and by the way, I got some water. And if you drink my water, you will never get thirsty again ever. And the woman missed the point. She missed the symbolism. She missed the power of what Jesus was saying. And she said, well, give me some of your water. 
But she's thinking about physical water. She's thinking about water to drink. And so you see this pattern here in these, in these passages we've looked at in the book of John. Jesus uses things that are physical, but he has a more powerful spiritual application that he wants those who hear his words to take from what he is saying. And sometimes we get caught up in the weeds. We, we may take Jesus more literally than he intended for us to take, and we may miss the power of what Jesus wants us to see in his word. John chapter 6, last one in John. John chapter 6, verses 53 through 55. John chapter 6, 53 through 55. Now, I encourage you to read this whole chapter. The people that were with Jesus there were talking about Moses and the manna that God had provided for their ancestors in the wilderness and all that good stuff. And Jesus is saying, look, you talk about Moses and you talk about the bread that they ate. The bread that they ate, they died. Jesus is telling them, I'm the bread that you need to eat that you won't die. They were wanting to go back to their ancestors to the past and Jesus was trying to get them to say, Quit living in the past under Moses. They are all dead and gone. Listen to what I am telling you. That's a little bit of the context of what Jesus is saying here. John 6, 53. So Jesus said to them, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Now that's pretty crazy language, right? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, what in the world? Well, that happened a long time before this passage we look at today in the Passover. But it's a little glimpse of what was to come. Now, if we are like some in Scripture, we may look at that and we may say, Whoa, we'll never have eternal life. We can't eat Jesus' body. Even if it was here, it would all be gone by now. That's not what Jesus meant. When he uses this language about his flesh and about his blood, he's not telling them that they all need to be cannibals. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, Come to me. I will give my life for you. I will shed my blood for you. And when you come to me, and when you repent of your sins, and when you put your faith in the flesh that I'm going to give for you, and the life that I will give for you, and the blood that I will shed for you, then you will have eternal life. And this happened a long time before the Passover ever took place. And Jesus is making that connection here with this language that he uses in Mark chapter 14. This is my body. This is my blood that establishes a new covenant, a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. So when we come and we take this Lord's Supper this morning, we must remember what Jesus wants us to remember. As often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ. 
We come here today, we sit in this room with hope in our life because Jesus gave his life on a cross so that we could be forgiven. His blood was shed so that you could be forgiven. Jesus said, look, this is how God worked in the past. In the past, this was, this was for the Passover and what happened in, in Israel and what took place then. But Jesus says, now it represents something different. Now it is something new. Now it is something perfect. Now it is something better. And so we come here this morning with the hope of something better. With the hope of something better in this life. With the hope of forgiveness of sins. With the hope of eternal life. With the hope of peace. With the hope of joy. With the hope of forgiveness that comes only through Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And so when Jesus says this is his body or this is his blood, we're not eating Jesus' body this morning or drinking his blood, but we are remembering the life that he gave for us and the blood that was shed for us. In the Old Testament, in the Passover, it was the blood of the sacrifice. That when God saw the blood, he passed over those people. Now I want to tell you today that if you are not covered by the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, your sins will not be passed over. Your sins will not be forgiven. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ is eternal life. So as we prepare for this Lord's Supper in the next few minutes, I want you to spend a moment, I want you to think. Think about things in your life. Think about... Do you really know Jesus Christ? Have you really put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you really covered by the blood of the Lamb? I want you to think about this cracker we're about to eat and this juice we're about to drink and what it means, what it symbolizes. While we do it, we do it because of what Jesus did for us. We remember Him. We remember this morning that He has the power to forgive your sins. Did you know that? Have you forgotten that? Maybe you, maybe you need to be reminded of that today. Jesus Christ wants to forgive you. I don't know what you've done. I don't care what you've done. God wants to forgive you for what you've done. And if you feel convicted of that today, then you need to repent. You need to seek the Lord. You need to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we prepare to close here in the next few minutes, I want you to examine your heart. Maybe there are some things that don't need to be there. You need to repent of those things. You need to give them to the Lord. And you need to praise the Lord. You need to praise Jesus Christ. You need to praise the one who gave his very life so that you could be forgiven. And if you've never put your faith in him, then today you need to do it. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and we thank you for these words. And God, I thank you for Jesus, for what he did on our behalf. God, I thank you for his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of the sins of many, dear Lord. Because we have many sins, God. Dear Lord, as we prepare for this time of the Lord's Supper that we're about to 
participate in, God, I pray that we would, we would search our hearts, that you would show us things in our heart that shouldn't be there, that we would repent of those things, that we would give those things to you, dear Lord. And God, I pray that in these few moments, we just would feel your presence. We would, we would know that you're with us, dear Lord, that the Holy Spirit is here. And God, I pray that we just never forget what Jesus has done and that we glorify him for it. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.